Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Good evening, everybody. How are you? It's good to see you. Thanks for coming out on a Wednesday. Didn't you guys love worship? I just really loved worship. Um, today we got to have Juliana from, she's one of the CFNI student uh, worship so leaders. So good, oh my gosh. Yeah, really, really good. So, and our youth worship leader. So if you got teenagers, now you get to know what they get to experience uh, every other Wednesday night. But, but cool. Well, tonight we're going to do a marriage uh, panel. Um, we're going to kind of, we're going to go into the Word, to what the Bible says about marriage. But then I kind of want to go into some marriage Myths. There's a lot of common things that are believed in society that we just take as a marriage truth. Um, and there are some myths like anything else out there and then just some things that we've learned in marriage. And then we're going to open up for a question and answer. They're going to throw up on the screen a text number. Um, and if you guys have any questions on anything marriage or love or relationship related, uh, we will do our very best to accommodate you and if I don't know the answer, I'll just ask my mom. She's been married for like almost 50 years. So she definitely knows a lot more uh, than me. So I can, she would not want the microphone at all. But I'm pretty sure I'll know how well, you would phone answer. phone a friend. Phone a friend. Yeah, phone a friend. Well, yeah, I think my dad, uh, anyway, I might just kind of lay for him. But uh, anyway, just a brief intro of us and just kind of how we met. And we'll go from there. Yeah, so Brandon and I met back in 2009 at a friend's house. Some of you may already know Simon and Tebra Koloth. And it was after church, we had a youth meeting, and it was just like a hangout, barbecue type thing. But whenever we met, well, I saw you around, but we didn't formally meet until that day. And it was nothing like you see in the movies. It was like a hi, nice to meet you, moved along. No fireworks or anything like that, but about... It wasn't. It was just like, hi, how are you? I'm Brandon. I'm Angel. Yeah. yeah. And um, so about a year later, that's whenever him and I started seeing each other more and talking and becoming friends. And my cousin Monique and Brittany, Brittany's here, they were like on the swim team back in the day. And Brandon... <laughs> Brandon wanted to learn how to do the flip turn. And so that was the summer where you ended up buying a season pass Hurricane Harbor. And so we all hung out. And long story short, we'll be together 12 years and we'll be celebrating our 10 year wedding anniversary this November. So. <laughs> Thank you, baby. All right, let's open up to the word, see what the Bible says about marriage. Uh, three different verses Proverbs chapter 18. Verse 22, Solomon says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And all the men said, amen. amen. Thank you, Dr. Rick. I knew you would agree with that. Married for 50 plus years. See, you know, you know what's good for you. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, uh, Pastor Joel read this on Sunday. Uh, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. Uh, one of the deals whenever we read scripture, whenever we read a book or even the news or anything like that is you don't just take a sentence out of context, but you read it within context. And in Hebrews chapter 13, if you really read it, 
um, it's, it very clearly comes across as being grateful for what you do have and making the most of it and not comparing. You guys know it's very easy to compare your life to somebody else's. It's very easy to compare your life to a family member or a close friend, somebody that you work with. Uh, it can be easy to consp- compare our spouse to somebody else. And the writer of Hebrews is very clearly saying, be grateful for what you have. Be grateful for the goodness that God's shown you and the spouse that you have and the spouse that you're praying for. Be grateful for that. And then 1 Corinthians 13, verse four through seven. Some of you guys should be shocked. We haven't even read this this whole month yet. Uh, The tokenary verses on love. But Angel will read it, verse four. Verse four, uh, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Yeah, that's good. Something that I do, and I'll talk a little bit about this on Sunday, is whenever I read those few verses and other passages in the Bible, is I'll actually, it's talking about how love is, I'll put myself in there. And I'll kind of use it as a self-evaluation checklist um, and, I, and I'll see, have I been patient? Have I been kind? Have I been irritable? Have I demanded my own way? Have I been keeping records of anybody that's close to me, their wrongs? And I'll, and I'll put myself in that way. And even if I feel like I'm doing good, I can ask my wife, Angel, hey, how do you feel like I'm doing these areas? She's gonna see some things that I can improve on. Uh, and I be, speak the truth. Yeah, <laughs> she speaks the truth. We'll talk about love and truth in just uh, a few Minutes, but I use it as a love checklist. It definitely helps uh, in life. But as you know, when you're going about life, you can't change your spouse, can't change anybody else. All you can do is change you, but the Holy Spirit changes people. The Holy Spirit provokes and inspires and convicts change in the people that we're closest to. Um, and it's not always about looking for the right person. Our c- culture promotes looking for the right person, Jesus promotes becoming the right person. What if, if you're single in here, what if instead of looking for the right person, what if you started focusing on becoming the right person? If you're married in here, what if you start, stopped looking at your spouse and saying, man, I wish they could do a whole lot better in this area, and you started focusing on the ways that you could become a little bit better? Tonight, we'll have three segments. We'll talk about myths. Like I said, we'll talk about some truths and some Q&A, but let's go ahead and pray. And then we'll continue. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for your presence, for your tangible presence that's here tonight. Lord, I pray that as we speak, that you speak, Lord, that even if we're not saying something particular, that you're speaking to the hearts of everybody in here. Lord, I pray that you give us the gift of eyes to see, ears to hear, and a willing heart to understand. And I pray that we leave here better than the way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, let's talk about a a few myths um, in marriage, I didn't bring this book, but there is, I, I read a lot, and one of the best books that I've ever read, and the best book that I've ever read on marriage, is called The Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work. It's by John Gottman. Uh, if you were here the last Sunday that I spoke, I talked about the 16-year research study that he did. Um, it's it's an amazing book, and it's, it's a curriculum that we're using, looking at using, uh, looking at launching full-scale marriage ministry here at Oaks Church 
uh, late summer, early fall, and, and definitely trending that direction. Um, but he mentioned some marriage uh, myths that we'll kind of incorporate uh, into this and some feedback and uh, some truths that we see in it. But they don't have it on the screen, so I'm going to say it slowly. Uh, but there's six of them. The first one is neurosis or personality problems ruin marriages. Neurosis or personality problems ruin marriages. I know some people um, who maybe they've married somebody that might have a personality disorder. They might have a mental health issue. I know people that have married somebody that are bipolar, that have very interesting uh, personalities. And you don't always know what version of them you're getting on any particular day, but it's not the personality that you marry. It's, it's, not, it's about do you mesh with that person? Are you compatible with that person? Because you're not gonna be the exact same as your spouse, and any sort of personality difference uh, isn't going to ruin a marriage. Yeah, I know whenever him and I first met, we did not mesh right away, and we were total opposites because I grew up in a huge Hispanic household. There were 12 of us. Half of them are in the crowd today. I'm just kidding. Um, but we just, we were total opposites, and he's an only child. And so we really had to learn and um, talk through just cultural differences and how we grew up together. And what was normal for me was not normal for him. I thought households of 12 were normal, and apparently they're not. Um, and so anyway, so I didn't think we meshed, but once what, what, Whenever we started getting to know each other, um, that's whenever I realized that we aligned on the most important things, though, like our beliefs and our core values and stuff like that. And so it's okay if you don't mesh right away, but as long as you get to know each other more, you'll be pretty surprised how much you actually do have in common. Yeah. And I think so many times in society, and a lot of you that are married in here, you already know this to be true, but they will look at the chemistry that they have with somebody, the chemistry that you have uh, with your spouse, and they say, oh, that's true love, that, that's, that's magical uh, what they have. But, you know, some of that can fade a little bit, but I think even more important than uh, chemistry is compatibility and having the same values, having the same beliefs, um, having the same God that you serve, the way that you raise your kids, the way that you go about life together, and even having that shared sense of meaning and purpose that if my wife has this particular dream and something that she wants to accomplish, now that's not just her dream, that's my dream. And in the same way, the dreams that I have, the purposes that I have, things that I wanna do down the road, it's not just my dream, now, now it's her dream and there's a shared purpose uh, regardless of any personality uh, quirks that we might have. The second, the second myth is, and we might have just answered this a little bit, but it's common interests keep you together. Common interests keep you together. Um, we didn't always have a common interest, um, and, and that's not, you're not always going to have everything together. I was watching a TV show uh, recently, and it was kind of an oldie but goodie. Some of you guys remember King of Queens with Doug and Carrie, and they're about to refinance their house, uh, and they're about to, which the, the refinancing they were doing wasn't that smart. They'd already had their house for five or 10 years and refinanced for another 30 years and stretched it out over 40 years, but they've been, uh, fighting and not getting along, and so before they signed it, they're like, you know what, we shouldn't sign this right now. Let's write out 20 things that we enjoy doing, and Doug wrote his 20 things, and Carrie wrote her 20 things, and they started reading it to each other, and five went by, 10 by, went by, 15 went by, 17 went by, and none of them matched, 
18 didn't match, 19 didn't match, and they didn't even read 20 because they just put the paper down like, you know what, regardless of what we have in common, you're my wife, you're my husband, I want to be with you, we're going to make it work. And sometimes those common interests, um, sometimes they can just be forged together uh, to where now we... We want the same food. We want to watch the same show. We want, you know, we're now he's the one picking Mexican food and not just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, the third one is you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Um, how many of you guys know that happy spouses don't keep tabs on whether their mate is washing the dishes as a payback for cooking the dinner? Um, the right way to do it is just to do it, just just because you generally feel positive about your relationship uh, with your spouse. If you start to keep score, um, it can definitely provide some tension uh, in your marriage. And, and honestly, that, that's something that I've had to work on. I'm just super competitive, and I can keep score way too easy. And, and I, got, I got a long way to go, but I'm, I'm getting better we, day by day. We would both keep score, though. I think, um, and okay, I don't know what it is about dishes, but I hate doing dishes. I would rather clean the entire bathroom than do the dishes. And so we used to keep score and we would fight, but we've gotten a lot better. And I think both of us, we had to change the mindset of, instead of competing, remembering that we're a team, instead of two opponents competing with each other to see who's doing more around the house and then pointing fingers saying, well, I did this and you didn't do that. So just focusing on a team rather than an opponent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, the fourth one is one that I really, really like, and I'll kind of skip through the fifth and the sixth ones. But four is avoiding conflict will ruin your marriage. It'll ruin your marriage. You know, I, I read that, and I was very surprised to read this, and if you're a therapist in the room, then I genuinely apologize. But he was saying how traditional therapy uh, typically doesn't work that well. He said 35% of it, 35% of the time it works, but even then after one year, only 18% of it is retained because we just slip right into the same patterns of what we've always been doing. And one of the main things that they preach is uh, the habit of active listening and repeating back to the other person what they're saying and making them feel heard um, and validated, which is a good thing. Um, but I also want to just put you in p at peace and say, you know, even happy marriages can have a good old yelling match. They can have a good screaming match every now and then. And because you, some of you guys are loud. Some of y'all are quiet. I'm quiet. I'm not going to, like, yell or get that aggressive. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm quiet but aggressive. So I guess sometimes uh, <laughs> that, that can happen. <laughs> but um, anyway, but there's, there, there's two types I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit, but there's two types of problems. There's perpetual problems and there's solvable problems. Perpetual problems are if I were to talk to you three years, five years, ten years down the road, the problems that you're having right now, you'll probably be having then. Uh, and we think that's a bad thing, but it's just a normal thing. Then there's solvable problems. You know, only 30% of problems are solvable in a marriage. The research shows that 70% is perpetual. And the bottom line is, it's just friendship and accepting your spouse for who they are. And you gotta realize that this is a different person. And they have a different personality and they grew up an entirely different way. And it's probably a miracle that we're even living together today and going the same way. But just appreciating that person for who they are and serving them and having that basis of friendship. But as we talk about problem 
solving, you guys have heard the phrase of love and truth. And we hear that verse, it's Ephesians chapter four, verse 14. Paul says, then we will no longer be immature like children. All right, he says, so how are we not gonna be immature? Then he gives you the prescription. He says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Jesus Christ. We were immature, but if we decide to speak the truth and not just the truth, but speak the truth in love, then you will grow in every way and become more like Jesus. Yeah, and that's something I really had to work on because I generally don't like conflict. I don't like confrontation at all. I, when something comes up, sometimes I just wanna forget about it. Let's not talk about it. I don't wanna deal with it and let's move on. But what happens over time is it becomes like this drop over and over and it just becomes extremely annoying. And so I found myself on one side of the spectrum where it's like you can give the silent treatment or way on the other side of the spectrum where you can be a complete nag. And so that's something we both had to work on is speaking the truth in love. But the second part of that verse talks about growing in every way more and more like Christ. So it's twofold. It's saying it, but then following that up with an action to change. Yeah. Yeah, this year, when I look back at 2021, um, I know we've all learned a number of different lessons. Uh, really, the number one thing that I found myself getting good at was, um, and especially just kind of uh, having maybe some new leadership responsibilities, was the art of having difficult conversations. Uh, you know, nobody really enjoys difficult conversations. Nobody, and if you do enjoy it, you probably shouldn't be having it. But you also have to realize um, that sometimes you have to bring stuff up because if you don't bring it up, it's just gonna keep happening and happening and happening. And I, I've just kind of come to the place where I, I, I don't wanna just let the water drip. I'm just gonna turn the water off, right? We're gonna have a conversation. And uh, this is both uh, professionally and personally is I've just started to bring stuff up and they've started to bring stuff up with me. And the key is when bringing stuff up is to do it in a calm way to do it in a measurable way, um, in an unemotional way. I don't ever bring stuff up, or I try my best not to uh, when I'm emotional, when I'm frustrated. I might be bringing up a frustration, but I don't tell them about my frustration in a frustrated state. And there's a big difference. And I think it's uh, really enhanced a lot of my relationships, a lot of our relationships, is the willingness to have those conversations. Because if you don't, nothing's gonna change. Because people don't know what they don't know. And at the same time, it's not our job to tell every single person everything, but you better believe the most important relationships in your life, you should be having some open dialogue, right? With your spouse, with your kids, with some of your best friends, with, with some of your coworkers, um, people that might report to you, people that you report to. Um, you gotta have these open conversations and a lot of life is just choosing your pain. It's choosing the pain that you want. Do you want to choose the pain of eating right and exercising, or do you want to choose the pain of going to the doctor and getting a bad report? Do you want to choose the pain of having a hard conversation, or do you want the pain of the same actions being repeated against you over and over again? Everyone has to choose one of two pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, because typically you're going to wish that you brought some stuff up to the table. 
Uh, the fifth and the sixth things uh, I thought was interesting. Uh, men are not biologically built <laughs> for marriage. Uh, it's, it's commonly thought about men that man, men aren't built for the long haul. They're short term. They're, uh, they, they don't always have a long term perspective. But actually, since women have gone into the workforce in such greater numbers uh, and equal to men, the number of affairs of young women is actually more uh, than men. Um, and the, the fact of the matter is we're all made in the same image of the same creator, um, which really goes to the sixth uh, and final marriage myth is men and women are from different planets. Uh, that men are from Mars and women are from Venus or however uh, that it goes. But the determining factor in whether a spouse feels satisfied, they did a study on this, that is they asked a woman if you were, what make, in what percentage are you satisfied with your marriage, with the sex, the passion, the romance? And by 70%, women said, the friendship that I have with my spouse. If I have that kind of deep friendship with them, then I feel good about where I'm at with my marriage. They asked the same question to men, and what percent satisfaction do you have in the sex, the passion, the romance that you have in your marriage? They didn't know what the wives had said. 70% of men said, based on friendship. Maybe men and women are from the same planet after all. Because there's nothing more important, uh, which we'll get to in just a second, in marriage than friendship. Yeah, and over the years, just working in youth especially, um, a lot of the times you hear them come up and say, oh, I like this guy or I like this girl, but we don't really get along that well. <laughs> and they put more emphasis on how the other person looks rather than their friendship and compatibility. And what's so interesting to me is that statistic just saying how wives and husbands feel satisfied with sex, romance, and passion, and how it's 70% of that is the quality of the couple's friendship. And so a lot of times, and I just wanna encourage a lot of people that are single or looking to date, is some, some of you have people that you put in the friend zone because you think, oh, I don't like them like that, or they're not cute enough or whatever, but I would seriously reconsider some of those that you have put in the friend zone because you'd be surprised how compatible you might actually be. And according to that statistic, it's way more important than looks. Of course, looks are important, yes, but it shouldn't be the sole factor. Yeah, totally. Let's go to this next segment, and I'm going to redeem some of the time here. Is just, just a couple of things that we've learned in marriage um, and, and what makes kind of happy marriages tick. And, and we're not the experts. We're still young uh, in the game. But there's... It's, it's not just age, but what you witness in other people, what you uh, ask your mentors, advisors, uh, parents, grandparents, what's really uh, worked for them. But just, just two, two things is happy marriages are built on friendship. The heart of a marriage is the simple truth that happy marriages are built on a deep friendship. And by that, it's just, I just mean a mutual respect and enjoyment of each other's company. And one of the reasons that friendship is so important is it, kind of creates this security and protection around you from feeling adversarial towards one another. You know, it can be very easy to keep score, uh, to sometimes get mad at the person that you live with um, for different reasons, for one reason or another. But if you have that kind of deep sense of friendship and are really close with one another, not perfectly, but you, you know, you keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and having that uh, talk at the end of the day and, and what went on, it, it really protects those feelings um, towards your spouse. And, man, I've, I've kind of mentioned a lot of my next points already and about problems and marriage problems. Some are perpetual. 
some can't be solved, and Angel may or may not have a recent example of what that looks like. Are you talking about your comb? Huh? Your comb? The comb. <laughs> okay, so Brandon has this little black comb, and um, he uses it to brush his beard because it's really tiny and it does the job just how he likes it. And I have these little baby hairs, and my regular brush does not work the way I need it to in this area. So sometimes I will borrow his little black comb, but when I'm getting ready and I'm in a rush, like I'll forget and I'm not even thinking out of habit, I'll throw his comb in my makeup bag and there's just so much going on in that bag that he can't find it whenever he's ready to brush his beard. And so he's told me this several times, but I always forget. And there I go, and I throw it in my makeup bag. Well, like a week ago, I did it again. And he got so mad, and I started laughing at him. And I'm like, why are you so mad? It's just a comb. It's right here. And I'm digging. I'm grabbing it. And, but it, it wasn't really about the comb. It was the fact that he told me several times, it's okay to borrow it. Just put it back in its proper spot. <laughs> And so um, it's the thing under the thing. And it was, the root of it was just him feeling disrespected and not heard because I kept doing the same thing over and over after he asked me to put it back in the spot. <laughs> it's never about it's never. the comb. It's never about the comb. It's, it's, it's the thing the under uh, the thing, which really just leads me to uh, the last point is happy marriages are built on love and respect. Um, men view everything as, am I being respected or am I being disrespected? From what I've heard, women view everything as, is, is, am I being loved right now or do I feel unloving from this person and how they're treating me? Uh, and the Apostle Paul backs that up, Ephesians 5, He says, so again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. And the wife must respect her husband. And in verse 21, it says, and further submit to one another, not just the woman to the husband, but it goes both ways. And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And in marriage, the wife doesn't just submit to the husband, but the husband submits to the wife. And when we're making decisions, we're finding that common ground and, and we're making it, it's a shared decision. Because if it's not a shared decision, then we're just heading for trouble and we're gonna get in disagreements and fights um, but when it comes to a house or a church or money or giving decisions or anything like that, or even career decisions, if one of us decides to change a career or a place of employment, like it, it's going to be shared. And that person is going to understand. They're going to support um, the other one. But it's really all about love and respect. But I, I find the most compelling verse about marriage to me has always been Ephesians 5.25. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take my whole life. It's going to take your whole life to love your spouse um, like Jesus loves you. So next time you feel like you're in a disagreement, next time you feel like you're being adversarial, just remember Jesus has been good to you. <laughs> Jesus has overlooked things in you. When you were at your very worst, he died for you. And he saw a future in you. He had a plan for you. He has a destiny and a purpose for you. In the same way that Jesus loves you, you're to love your spouse. You know, I, I mentioned earlier how much I was just really enjoying worship tonight. It felt really holy, and I felt God's presence. And it's like I just almost wanted to stay in that space. But the Lord just reminded me, you know, not much more is more holy to him than how we are with our spouse. 
with how we are in our marriages because how, what your marriage is like and what our marriage is like is a picture of our relationship with him. And if we're going to be a good example, if we're gonna truly be the light to the world, it starts at home. Doesn't start at work. Doesn't start at church. But I really believe that the people who know you the most should respect you the most. And too often, it's the people that know us the most respect us the least. Or maybe the people that know us the least respect us the most, but it should be the people that we know really well, the people that know the good things about us, the bad things about us, um, that we can truly be the light to the world in a dark place. Because that's, that's what the world needs. The world needs Jesus. And Jesus, guess what? He's in heaven and he needs us to do our part. And it starts at home. It starts in marriage. It starts as a parent. Uh, continues with our friendships uh, and love and respect. I'm just going to take just a couple minutes, and if you guys got questions, you can ask it. But you can just text that number. It's anonymous. But one question is, Angel Marie. Oh, you don't want it. If you don't want it, I'll take it. What's, what's one piece of advice that you would give about um, marriage? Besides, besides, yeah, what would be the most important thing? I would say, man, that's a loaded question. Read it again. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the most important thing is? You know, I'll just tell you real quick, and you can have whatever you want, baby. But, Was that you, Brittany? Um, something, uh, I, I, my parents were always teaching me growing up, and, and I think the Holy Spirit sounds uh, a lot like them because they're the ones <laughs> that were telling me uh, what to do and not to do. And it's funny how that voice always stays with you, even if they're not uh, here anymore or if you're not in the same room or anything like that. Uh, my dad always said, he said, the two keys to marriage, and I believe you guys got married in 1973, 74. Um, he said the two keys to marriage are be quick to repent and be quick to forgive. Quick to repent, meaning to change your mind, to say, hey, I'm sorry. You know, it's better to be, I love what Pastor Joel said a few weeks ago. He said, or maybe it was the Yudans, I don't uh, remember who said it. But they said it's better to be righteous than right. It's better to act in the right way, to act in a loving way, than have the last word at all times. That's something um, that I've struggled with uh, at times as an only child or even as an avid uh, reader and learner. Sometimes I feel like I want the last word. And sometimes if something's brought up and there's areas that I can be better and uh, I can change, then I just need to accept it and not put it on anything else, and that's something that I'm definitely uh, growing in. Want me to read the next question? You want or no? Go to the next question. I'll read it, and then I'll determine if I want to answer it. <laughs> There's three more. Is it important what your family thinks of your spouse? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to assume that's after you've already been married and not like a potential uh, person. I would yeah. say it's important, but once you get married, nobody's more important than your spouse. Um, if your family has a different opinion, then it is what it is. Uh, and at the, you, you got to choose your spouse. You know, and there's going to be, especially uh, early on, and um, you, your spouse is going to be paying attention to see if they come first or if your family comes first. 
And if your family, and yeah. remember, you, you got new family now. You got a new immediate family now. Um, if they don't feel like they're number one, then that's gonna cause a whole host of issues. And I think a lot of the people in here that have been married for a very long time would very loudly say amen, right? I mean, you gotta side with your spouse. Yes, it is important. Um, but if you really, I mean, if you don't need everybody's approval to make a decision. Uh, I think a lot of us suffer from the, from the attitude of inaction. And there's so many things that we don't do or do do because we're scared to fail or we're scared to be embarrassed or we're wondering what's gonna happen if we don't do well or people don't like us or people don't like that post. Um, and the fact of the matter is, uh, action, or excuse me, inaction is just as bad as failing or being embarrassed, or it's, or it's worse, uh, honestly. So I, I would always go in the way of choosing your spouse. Yeah, this is a good one. It says, what is your best financial advice in marriage? Um, naturally, I am the spender, and he's the saver. And we each have gotten better over the years because before I would want to blow my whole check and go big, and he would want to save every little penny to where I felt like we can't have fun because you feel like a disaster is going to happen and we can't spend any money or something. And um, this is when we were like 20 and 21. We were very young. And, um, but something that we implemented early on in our marriage was the usage of base camp. Or not base camp. <laughs> What's uh, every dollar? <laughs> I'm thinking about projects. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong topic. Um, every dollar. <laughs> Our staff by is laughing. Us, yeah. <laughs> Our team. Uh. Yeah, is the use of every dollar because you put in your income and it lets you categorize everything. But I would say definitely every decision, um, especially if it's a big purchase like us. If it's something over, I can't remember what our threshold is now, but. Um, back in the day, it was like nothing over $100, like consult one another to make sure everything's good. So definitely use that app. It's very, very helpful. Yeah. I like this next question. Oh, here we go. If you are single and find a partner you want to marry, should you take the advice from family? Um, I would, if your family is, if they're Christian, if they're Bible-believing, if they're uh, engaged in church, um, I, would, I would definitely heed their advice. Um, I'm a big believer that you can learn anything from any, excuse me, you can learn something from anyone. You're not going to learn everything from any one person. Um, and, I, and I believe there's uh, reason and truth in different people uh, in our lives that we can learn from. But really, I'm just going to point to Sunday. So Sunday, I'm not going to talk about marriage. I'm going to close the series. And it's just, what should I look for in a spouse? Uh, and it's just criteria that um, I've used, that I've developed, um, and I think it's going to be really helpful. Even if you're married, it's a list that you can use for a couple different ways. You can use it as a standard for yourself and see if you're hitting those standards in your life, but you can also use it for your kids um, because I don't know, I don't know of a list out there that says, what should I look for in a spouse? I'm sure they're there. I'm not sure, of, especially when it comes to not just godly things, but practical things. Um, and, and really what it comes down to in a number of different areas. Um, but yeah, I would totally, you know, when I, when I um, started Like an Angel and Loving Angel, I definitely got advice from my parents. I got advice from Pastor Joel, uh, people I was close to. Um, but none of their words to me was the final answer. At the end of the day, it was, man, 
what does she want? What do I want? What do I feel peace about? Um, what do I know about the relationship? Because no one's gonna know the relationship uh, like you do. Another question says, what do you tell a couple that is facing challenges in the prospect of divorce? Number one, I would meet, I would meet with your pastor. I would start to implement these tools um, that we've been talking about tonight. And I would really, if you're, if you're on the brink of this, like I said earlier, the best book that I've read is The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. Because there's something different for everybody's different story and there's things that you can't text on just a one sentence question and I'm by no means the expert on this. But man, having spiritual leaders, having uh, advisors in an area of strength is that, that's my secret weapon to life. I don't have, the way I do mentorship is, as you guys have probably noticed, nobody is good at everything. <laughs> nobody has all the answers. I will go to different people when it comes to money. I'll go to different people when it comes to being a pastor or a spiritual leader. I'll go to different people one day when we have kids on how to parent and I've seen the kids that they're raising. I'll go to different people on marriage, right? I'm not gonna go to somebody that's been married uh, not as long as I have. I'm always gonna go to people that have been married a lot longer uh, than we have. Um, But I definitely utilize those relationships and advisors that we have in our life because, man, there's great strength in the people that have gone before you. And the more you can learn and the quicker you can learn from the people that went before you, man, you're gonna go so far in life and you're gonna jump ahead in life because you're not just doing things on your own, you're standing on the shoulders of giants and you're doing great things because of them. But I would definitely uh, go to spiritual advisors, to counselors, um, and they, would, they can help advise you uh, in that way. Oh Lord, somebody asked this question. Um, <laughs> what is the biblical view on toys? If it's consensual, go for it. There you go. You guys aren't laughing. I was expecting a laugh. <laughs> Did they take pictures? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's see. I can't end on that. I can't end on toys. You can't end on, yeah. You can. You just can't end on in church. Let me see. Uh <laughs> How often, hold on, let me get two more questions. What if your spouse isn't willing to change and you want to grow? If they are not willing to change and you want to grow? That's a tough situation to be in because um, Whenever you are looking for a spouse or you are dating, I think that it's really important to see if they're, if they're a grower early on because a lot of times if they're not growing while you're dating, they're not going to grow whenever you get married. Um, and so, but if you're already married and they stop growing, um, I say just keep loving them, keep encouraging them and being an example to them and try to surround them with other people who are growing so that they can be inspired by that and be surrounded by growers because whoever you surround yourself with, you can't help but grow in that direction. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, Peter in his book, I don't remember if it's First Peter or Second Peter, but he devotes a good ch- uh, segment of a chapter to this very topic. It's specifically 
towards a woman that is saved but her husband isn't saved and, and what to do in that scenario. And really, he kind of boils it down to becoming the right person. Because whether, whether you realize it or not, every decision you make, every action you take, you're getting a seed and you're planting it. And seeds don't grow overnight. Yeah. And seeds don't often grow when you want them to grow. But there are seasons to everything in life. And if you just do your part, then guess what? God can do what he can only do. If you'll do what you can do. Um, because every, every decision we make, it's a seed. You know, it's going in the right direction. And I really believe if you just have that servant mindset, it's not going to make the other person uh, perfect, but it will definitely enhance and improve uh, your options. Last one is how often do you have date night? Well, we have kids so, or don't have kids, so every night's date night. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we try to do Fridays, though, because sometimes we'll get busy or whatever. But Fridays are our nights. If something comes up for church or there's an event, birthday party, whatever, um, we'll do a Saturday. But we like uh, breakfast dates, too. Yeah. We date. Yeah, we go out a lot. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. We hope you guys enjoyed tonight. I hope it was helpful. Let me pray for you guys. Then I'm going to turn it back over to Travis. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. God, right now, we just thank you for your goodness, first of all, to each and every one of us, individually and corporately. We thank you for um, the greatness that you see inside of each and every one of us. God, help us. Uh, give us a love and an understanding uh, for our spouse. Um, and if we're single, we just believe you for the right person to come along, Lord, to help. Uh, we know that a uh, waiting season is not a wasted season, Lord, and that you're involved in all seasons, whether single or married. And, God, I just pray that at Oaks Church, it's a place that's known for healthy and thriving and growing marriages, uh, a place where there's uh, fantastic parents raising godly kids and, and discipling others. Lord, help us to be a house corporately and individually um, that reflects you in the right way. And God, I just thank you for the marriage that you designed for marriages your way and help us to operate in the way that you intended. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.